0: And welcome to New Every Morning, which this morning comes from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee. My name is David Robertson, and I'm the minister here. We begin with a song of praise from the Bible, Psalm 63. O Lord, our God, we come to you and seek your face with eagerness. We remember times, perhaps in the past, when we have seen you in your holy place. We've seen your power and your glory, but that seems to have faded. And so we ask that as we come to you this morning, and as we raise our hands to you in prayer, and as we sing your praise, that we would know your presence, that we would know your guidance, that we would know your help. Lord, whatever our particular circumstances and our particular needs, we draw near and we seek your face. We seek your blessing not only upon ourselves, but upon your people throughout this land and throughout your world. We know that there are many who hurt, many who are suffering much injustice. We pray that you would bring peace to the world, to our own hearts. Enable us as we worship you to hear what you have to say and take away our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Ecclesiastes chapter 3 There is a time for everything A season for every activity under heaven A time to be born and a time to die A time to plant and a time to uproot A time to kill and a time to heal A time to tear down and a time to build A time to weep and a time to laugh A time to mourn and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from all his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. What is has already been and what will be has been before and God will call the past to account.
0: who are you? Are you, in the words of Burton Russell, a blob of carbon floating from one meaningless existence to another? Would you agree with Joseph Wood Crutch, a former professor of English at Columbia University, who states, there is no reason to suppose that a man's life has any more meaning than the life of the humblest insect that crawls from one annihilation to another. Little wonder that with such a view, human life is so often regarded as cheap. The passage we look at this morning tells us that we have two extra things that make us human. We have a sense of beauty and a sense of eternity. Firstly, we note that in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2, Solomon tells us of his failed search for satisfaction. But then in the passage we read, there is a dramatic change. God is brought into the equation. There's an old Italian proverb which states, he who leaves God out of his reckoning does not know how to count. Likewise, if you leave God out of your understanding, you will always get life's sums wrong. Solomon tells us that life is to be enjoyed. We are actually meant to enjoy the simple things in life, to eat and drink and enjoy our work. It's not the greed of the rich fool building bigger and bigger barns for retirement or bigger and bigger pension schemes nor the mundane and hopeless life of the unbeliever. Let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. It's not licentiousness nor cynicism, but contentment. And ultimately, this is a contentment that comes only from God. God enables us to eat. In addition, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy to the person who pleases Him. We need all these things. According to Ecclesiastes, wisdom enables a man to walk without stumbling, gives success, preserves life, protects, enables successful work and discriminating judgment, and gives strength and joy. Knowledge is, is not just the acquisition of facts, but life experience. And joy is real. It's soundly based exaltation in God's blessings. Now contrast that view with secular pessimism a vicious circle of a pointless world, temporary pleasures, fruitless work, futile wisdom, inevitable death. The life from God is really life lived to the max. And so we move on to the beautiful poetry of chapter 3, so often read at funerals. The preacher Solomon points out that we cannot control time. We cannot control the seasons, no matter what our skills, efforts, or riches is this a kind of council of despair? Now, it would be if everything was futile or if God was some kind of capricious deity, the cosmic chess player moving us around like pieces on a board. But that's not the case. Indeed, this passage is an extraordinarily beautiful summary of the optimistic view of the Christian life. So, we notice first that everything has a time. There are times and seasons, there are rhythms, and there is a rhythm to life. There is a proper time. Ancient Near Eastern wisdom taught that real wisdom was in knowing the times. Mr. Robert Zimmerman, a.k.a. Bob Dylan, taught the same. Come gather round people wherever you roam. Admit that the waters around you have grown. or you'd better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. For the times, they are a-changing. The 14 couplets that Solomon mentions in this poem cover every range of human activity, From birth to death, human emotions, friendship, and enmity. There is a season, a purpose for everything. Personally, I take great comfort from this idea that our times are in God's hands. It's not fate. I take great comfort from the fact that there is a time for everything. You may be going through a hard time just now, that will change. You may be going through a spiritual springtime, it will turn to summer, perhaps again to winter but God is in charge of it all. Secondly, we notice that although everything has a time, that time is meaningless without God. Man is offered a life that is joyful, but it's not autonomous, not self-sufficient. When we try to live without God, we end up disrupting the seasons, not understanding the purposes and becoming vain and empty. In particular, there is this notion of time and eternity, timelessness. I remember as a young teenager trying to imagine not existing. That's impossible because God has set eternity in our hearts. To me, this is the greatest apologetic for God, the sense of beauty and the sense of eternity in the human heart. Roger Scruton, the philosopher in his book on beauty, argues for the importance of beauty in human life and art. And it's the same with eternity. Eternity was and is a great concept. The eternity of God's dealings with mankind corresponds to something inside us. We have a capacity for eternal things. We are concerned about the future. We want to understand from the beginning to the end, And we have a sense of wonder, a sense of beauty, which transcends our immediate situation. Our consciousness of God is part of our nature. Now, that sounds great, but there's a negative side to this. As Solomon points out, it's a burden. We have this sense of eternity and this sense of beauty, but we can't fathom, we can't grasp what God has done from the beginning to the end. Walter Kaiser calls it a deep-seated desire, a compulsive drive to know the character, composition, and meaning of the world, and to discern its purpose and destiny. There is nothing under the sun, in other words, nothing on this earth, that can ultimately satisfy this sense of the eternal. There is always a striving after beauty, a striving after the one. We have a desire to progress. We long for beauty. We long to improve and to make things better. But the progress that has brought us as human beings CDs and penicillin has also brought us nuclear weapons and global warming. In many ways, with labor saving devices and the increase in leisure and pleasure, we should be freer to enjoy life. But we're not. We're frustrated and disappointed that freedom and comfort have not brought meaning and peace to our lives. The most technologically advanced countries are also the ones marked by family breakdown, drug addiction, abortion, violent crime, homelessness, and suicide. As Malcolm Muggeridge pointed out, the result is almost invariably the exact opposite of what's intended. Thus expanding public education has served to increase illiteracy. Half a century of pacifist agitation has resulted in the two most ferocious and destructive wars in history. Political egalitarianism has made for a heightened class consciousness, and sexual freedom has led to erotomania on a scale hitherto undreamed of. So, what is the solution to this, this meaningless time without God? Bring God into the equation. Not human religion, not man-made gods, but God as defined here. The word for beauty that Solomon uses is a word yape. It's very close to the term for God, Yahweh. The sense of beauty is what C.S. Lewis calls drippings of grace. There are rumors of transcendence. I don't know what it would be for you, but for me, it's Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. It's sitting up in the beautiful Doll in Cairngorm National Park. It's holding a child in your arms. But without God, we can forget that and misuse it. God gives us the capacity for pleasure, taste buds, sexual drive, the capacity to appreciate beauty, but without Him, that will lead to overindulgence and destruction. Look at what we do. We turn nudity into pornography, wine into alcoholism, food into gluttony, and human diversity into racism and prejudice. Instead of being good gifts, they become destructive to us. Our life becomes a waste. Verse 12 tells us the real secret of happiness. To do good means to enjoy life, to pursue and enjoy a happy life. We are to eat and drink. These are tokens of a contented and a happy life. From a Christian perspective, even work can be satisfying. Secularism here is replaced by theism, pessimism by optimism, and human autonomy by human faith. Carpe Deum, seize the moment, enjoy life. Verses 14 and 15 tell us that whilst earth is transitory, unreliable, and futile, security can be found in God's sovereignty and God's grace. God's action is permanent, it is effective and complete, and his actions are totally secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. So now, When we have faith in Jesus Christ, we fear Him properly. Not craven fear, but reverence, respect, and regard for God. That is where our sense of beauty and the eternal is satisfied, because ultimately our sense of beauty and our sense of eternity is a sense of and for God. You are not an insignificant insect crawling from one sad annihilation to another. If you have trusted Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, being prepared for an eternal home. If you read John 14 or Second Corinthians 4, you'll see the teaching there. The Puritan pastor Thomas Watson said, Eternity to the godly is a day that has no sunset. Eternity to the wicked is a night that has no sunrise. May the beauty of the Lord our God be upon you. Lord, it's a burden for us and hard for us to grasp ideas of eternity and who you are, but you have set this concept of eternity in our hearts and minds, and you have set this sense of beauty. We thank you for the drippings of grace. We thank you for the beauty that we see all around us, even in the most ugly of situations. We thank you that even though our own lives are scarred by ugliness, yet we are made in your image. And we pray that that image would be restored and that each of us would come to know the beauty of Jesus Christ. We pray, O Lord, that your blessing would be upon us. Blessing from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen. And we finish with two songs which celebrate the beauty of being known, found, and accepted by God.